0: Welcome to the Only Child Diaries podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Wallace. Have you ever felt like you didn't receive the how-to brochure on life? That you didn't get enough guidance about major life issues? So did I. You don't have to be an only child to feel this way. In my podcast, we'll explore some of the best ways to better navigate adulting, while doing so with humor and light. Welcome, everyone, to the Only Child Diaries podcast. They say you can't go home again. But I'm not so sure. Recently, I found myself living in the same house that I grew up in. Gosh, I fought so hard to get out of here. It's been quite an experience. Some people have said to me, oh, that's great. That must be very comforting. While others ask me if it's weird. I would have to say it's been pretty weird. My memories of childhood weren't always the most positive, And while I don't mind the house, I had always hoped to be living in other locations throughout my life. More exotic locations. <laughs> Just different locations. I know every inch of the house so intimately, almost too intimately, kind of like, you know, every hair on your arm intimately. Let me explain the circumstances that led us to be living here. My husband, Bill, and I had a one bedroom apartment in the San Fernando Valley. And we quite enjoyed it. It was great to have someone else take care of the maintenance of our living accommodations, and we were just enjoying doing what we wanted to do. We used the apartment to live, to sleep, and we mostly ate out. After all, isn't a kitchen just to house snacks? We lived there about 25 years. Although we never verbalized it to each other, I think we fancied ourselves a somewhat modern, cosmopolitan, childless couple. The envy of all of our friends not many cares or responsibilities other than paying our bills. While there were a handful of people living in the building who were older, like us, and were long-term residents, most of the units were filled by young adults who stayed about a year, or the term of the usual lease, before moving on. When you'd see the telltale signs they were moving like the accumulation of boxes or the U-Haul truck parked outside, I'd chat with them and hear the story of where they were going. We got a house to rent in Studio City. Or I'm moving to New York because I got a great promotion. Or they had gotten a TV series and could afford a much nicer neighborhood. Yes, we had quite our share of talented actors, actresses, some who became famous. Models, dancers, etc. It always seemed like they were graduating of sorts from our building. I'd say goodbye and nice to know you. It was never sad because there were more coming behind them to get to know. I liked the variety and diversity of people who lived around us. I liked the energy and the commotion, if you will. Our apartment also faced the street. So there were the usual daily noise of people walking by dogs barking, cars racing by. We also lived under the Burbank Airport flight path, so there was always noise. But we didn't mind it. It became the backdrop to our lives. Once the pandemic hit, things started to change. My mom had been living in the home since my parents purchased it in 1957. That's when they got married. My dad died at home in 2016 in the bedroom I grew up in. My mom died at home in early 2021. I had always dreamed of living in different locations, different places, and different properties. Also, when you're growing up, you just yearn for different experiences. At least I did. To break out of the constraints of being a child has on you, and you see yourself as an adult making all these big decisions on your own, making changes you can hardly wait to make those changes, right? And especially me, because as an only child, I was often the focus of my parents' energy. There were many times I didn't have much latitude in what I could do. So it never really occurred to me that I would be coming back to live in this house. I mean, never. Once my mom died, we didn't really know what we would do with the house. Although, The idea of selling it didn't make me fully comfortable either. Sure, I didn't have the best memories associated with the house, but I didn't necessarily want to give it up. That's weird, isn't it? But I have seen a lot of my peers go through the same angst, losing their parents and selling the house. It's sort of a rite of passage almost. Moving on. But all the while, mourning the loss of their childhood home. There was the chance it could be torn down or changed beyond recognition. I've seen it time and time again. I figured we would rent it and it would be fine, except that my next sticking point was there was a lot of stuff left in the house. And ideas of how I would get rid of that stuff were kind of overwhelming at the time. I could see going through the boxes and the furniture and the clothing but did I really want to get rid of the piano? Okay. I haven't played in a long time, but who doesn't love a piano? And that's not something I wanted to store, but we certainly didn't have room at the apartment. It wasn't just one thing to give up or decide on. It was hundreds. Back to 2021. After my mom died in January, my husband had a lot of health issues throughout the year. He had several surgeries and several procedures, but in June 2021, he was hospitalized twice in the same month. Both times, it was for serious infections, and I started to get concerned that maybe the infection lived somewhere in our apartment. When he was about to be released for the second time, I talked to him about moving temporarily into the house. It wasn't necessarily set up for us. But it would be easier to clean with the hardwood floors, easier for home health to visit, and easier to take care of the dog there as well. We had adopted our dog, Brownie, after my mom died. The dog was a companion for mom, but had only lived there about six months. We transitioned Brownie to the apartment with us and our cat, Bubby. This arrangement was challenging at best. (laughs) It was a long time since I had considered it my house. It didn't feel like my house anymore. But I told myself I had to do this for my husband. There was lots to do to mobilize. Bring the necessary things from our apartment. Diabetic supplies, medications, pillows, some clothing. Pet items, some food. Right after my mom passed away, her refrigerator decided to die on us. Not being sure what we were going to do with the house, I bought a small fridge to keep some stuff as a stopgap. I also had to figure out how to get rid of the old one. Bill came home from the hospital, and at first it was like we were camping. It was just awkward. I had been able to give away or throw away most of the items we used when mom was home from the hospital, but there were still enough items left that it made it feel like we had just moved into someone else's living space. We were sleeping on a 65-year-old mattress (laughs) with one side, my side, slanting towards the floor. I always felt like I was going to roll right off. There really wasn't a comfortable chair that was still intact in the whole house. Because Bill was convalescing, he got what you would call the best chair. It was an overstuffed manual recliner. Covered in generations of pet hair, it could be somewhat comfortable, but it was low and hard to get out of, especially rocking back and forth and swinging side to side. I had the choice of a chair my mom sat in where the bottom was about to fall through. No, thanks. Or a prissy little upright chair that seriously we had only bought, I think for looks to fill a corner of the living room back when the house was redecorated in wait for it, 1970. The seat wasn't big enough to really fit most of my behind. The foam inside of the seat and the armrests had long since hardened into a concrete-like matter, and somehow, either because of just age or maybe because one of the dogs had shredded it, the upholstery was in tatters. So every time I would sit in it, my backside would be covered with little bits of hardened foam. I literally had dreams about taking it outside and setting it on fire after breaking off the legs. I didn't do this because I could see the fire department showing up and me trying to explain what I was doing. I remember my mom had suggested taking it to be redone at one point, and I always did my best to shut her down on that. I couldn't imagine that chair's life being extended in any way, let alone paying to have it redone. So we made do with what we had. We had a routine. The dog was happy to have a backyard to run around in, and it was a lot easier than having to take her out for a walk in the apartment-dwelling neighborhood that we had previously occupied every time she needed to pee. That situation made it so that I ended up cleaning her paws every time she came back in, which she didn't like. (laughs) Not only would we walk over trash and cigarette butts on the sidewalk near the apartment, we would sometimes encounter a puddle of vomit from the night before or spilled food that had rotted in the sun. I wouldn't miss that. We had left the cat over at our apartment with my brother-in-law, Sheldon, taking care of him. I didn't want to upset his schedule too much. We still didn't really know what we were doing down the road. We eventually brought him over to the house, and he was happy to have the extra space since he's an indoor-only cat. I was worried he would run out the front door, but he seems to just enjoy looking out the windows at the birds. Once my husband started to feel better, and had some strength. I loaded them into the wheelchair, and we went to buy some new furniture. We picked out a top-of-the-line adjustable bed, a new reclining sofa, and a reclining leather chair for guests. We didn't want pet hair clinging anymore. Picking out and buying just that much furniture reminded me of buying a car. It took a lot of time and made us both exhausted. It was now time for some of the old stuff to go, but how to get rid of it. Luckily, the Ashley furniture salesman had a plan and hooked us up with a great guy who came over to get rid of the old mattress and the old fridge and some other things as well. Of course, it was a little sad to see the mattress go that I was probably conceived on. I mean, how many people can say that, especially at my age, (laughs) but it was time, believe me. The fridge, of course, really didn't want to go. It was inexplicably connected to a water line into the floor for the ice maker, and I would need a plumber so that we didn't flood the kitchen. The guy had to come back another time. This is when I learned that the house was built really in another era, an era when large refrigerators didn't exist. I almost didn't think it was going to get out the door, but of course it had gotten in somehow. Our door frames were so small, the refrigerator doors had to be taken off so it could just slide through. We had our new furniture delivered finally, and it was wonderful. Still, I wasn't fully committed to staying here. And I was finally able to put the old chairs out for bulky item pickup. I have a hard time letting things go to the landfill, but there was no way any thrift store would want these items. Still, I secretly hoped that someone would rescue the chairs, seeing their value, maybe for their garage. Yeah, that wasn't going to happen. (laughs) Who was I kidding? The other part about moving back to your childhood home is moving back to your old neighborhood and all that comes with it. Even though it was only like 10 or 12 miles from our apartment, I didn't do grocery shopping over here or order takeout. And with the traffic, it wasn't like we could get food from our old haunts. It really starts to come back to you when you're driving by your old elementary school every day or high school, even though now the parking lot is covered with solar panels. It looks completely different. Some of the old businesses are still here, but many are not. It may be close by where we lived, but it's far enough away that it still is like living in a completely different place. Driving through our neighborhood, I still remember the key houses where my long-gone schoolmates lived. It's literally a trip down memory lane almost every day. I'll say that in some ways the pandemic is good. Bill and I have spent a lot of time together, but eventually, towards the end of the year, he had to have another surgery and stayed in the hospital a few nights. This would be the first time I was alone in the house overnight since everything had changed. Although I hadn't necessarily experienced anything myself, my friends and family had experienced some questionable things when they were alone here, that could be categorized as visitations from the other side. One example was when my husband and his brother were playing music one night, when both their guitars went out of tune at the same time. They tuned them up and started playing when they both went out of tune a second time at the same time. That's when they stopped playing. These kinds of things don't surprise me since I always felt like my parents, but especially my mom, wouldn't want to leave the house. This place was hers. Well, I had the dog and the cat and lights to leave on. <laughs> I was glad to finally have Bill home from the hospital. I should mention that we do have the ashes of both my parents here still in the house. My dad had wanted to be scattered at sea, but we haven't been able to do that yet. We wanted to do them both together, and I wanted to wait until Bill felt well enough to go with me. But there is a sense of family to have them here. In fact, right after my dad's memorial, my mom looked at the container my dad was in and asked what it was. I should say it's not a traditional-looking urn. I told her it was dad. I started to bring it into the house. And she said she didn't want it here. (laughs) So we had taken him to our apartment. In the beginning, I was a little creeped out by this, but I eventually got over it. Now we have them both in what used to be their bedroom, along with the ashes of my bunnies. The dogs that mom and dad had are in the living room. We have a lot of ashes here in the house. One thing that I experienced when we first started living here was that every day something else would break. Okay, well, the house was built in the 40s. It's not a young house, but still. There was the hot water handle in the shower that would fall off and go clunk. Then there was the front porch posts. I hope the porch isn't depending too much on them. A couple of light fixtures, both inside and out. Then one Friday afternoon, the sewer backed up. Yeah, that was a tough week. The plumber came and a snake got stuck a few times before he gave up. He and his team dug up the driveway for three straight days before they found the root mass. The hole in the driveway ended up looking like some sort of prison escape tunnel. You see, One member of our extended family is a redwood tree in the front yard that is quite large and at least 100 feet tall. It would probably take three or four people with arms outstretched to stretch around the trunk. It's big. So imagine the root system. Often when I'm outside, people will stop me and tell me how much they love the tree. I think of it as a family member. It's always, it's always been there. But also, I have a love-hate relationship with it. <laughs> the $18,000 plumber bill and a week of not doing dishes, laundry, taking showers, or flushing certainly didn't endear it to me. I just hope the roots grow back very slowly. At one point, I figured that a house is really like an advent calendar, because seriously, whenever you open something else up, you never know what you're going to get. I was lucky one day that my plumber came to fix something in the bathroom, and I just happened to open the cabinet below the kitchen sink to get something, because there I found that the garbage disposal was leaking like crazy, and the whole area was flooding. Good timing on that. We had finally decided to move all the stuff out of our apartment because it was turning into an expensive storage unit, and I wanted to check out the garage to see how much space I had in there. I discovered the garage door motor was broken. Or the time we wanted to plug in something inside and realize that most of the electrical outlets in the house are the original ones. So take your three-pronged, grounded plugs and go somewhere else. You got nothing here. Try planting something in the dirt really anywhere on the property. No one has worked the soil for decades. So the roots from goodness knows what have infiltrated that area, and you would have better luck putting a shovel into concrete. Or wondering what the reason was behind keeping the many wonderful things in the garage or the yard. Or thinking if I had a dollar for every broken gardening tool, I could be rich. I wonder how much I can get for a vintage aluminum can from the 90s. And did you know that plastic bags do in fact disintegrate? They do. Because I've picked up some filled with something that was in the garage and they've literally turned to dust. We don't really have to worry that much about them always being in the landfill. I can attest to that. Through it all, I just tried to hold on to the idea that wherever I am with my husband, Bill, is home. And as long as I'm with him, I'm okay. But we're far from alone. We have feral cats who hang out on the property, much to our dog and cat's annoyance. Then we have about a million crickets. Depending on the time of year, they love to come inside and they can sure chirp loudly. There are the owls who hoot back and forth in neighboring trees at night. I'm pretty sure I've seen a bat. Possums and, of course, skunks. For a time, there was a skunk who loved to come running by my legs at night as I'd walk out to the car. I just about had a heart attack every time that happened. Squirrels and crows during the day. The squirrels are quite athletic, jumping from tree to tree then to the front roof of the house, over the top to the back roof of the house, and onto the back fence, and then to a tree in the neighbor's yard. It's like watching a crazy race course. Coyotes almost at any time of the day or night. It's been a while, but I've seen rabbits, raccoons, and deer in the neighborhood too. And I've heard people report sightings of bobcats and actually once a bear. Oh, and then there's the tarantulas. I can really live without ever seeing one of those. Big hairy spiders, not my thing. I wish there was some sort of tarantula barrier I could set up around the yard so that I would know for sure they would never cross my path. Like a tiny electric fence, only they could see. Maybe someday. Oh, we've also had skinks. Or Alligator lizards, as some people call them, in our yard. The first time I saw one in the backyard, I thought it was a snake. I ran screaming into the house to tell Bill. Well, it's not a snake. It's just a scary-looking thing with tiny little legs. And lizards, just in general, we have about a hundred here at any one time. Tiny micro-lizards, big lizards. We even had some lizards come into the kitchen. I was careful to get them out so Bubby wouldn't want to play with them. I feel like we're lizards are us. I guess that's okay, because lizards and skinks, they eat crickets. So nosh away. I've learned to love the lizards. Although my husband characterizes the crickets as Jiminy Cricket from Pinocchio, so we don't really kill them. We've got a live and let live policy here, all of us. At first, the cat used to chase and pounce on the crickets. Now he just watches them hop by. And then there was the move. Packing up 25 years of stuff from the apartment and moving it here, that will be my next episode. One thing I learned is that I'm not as young as I used to be. (laughs) That's all I've got for today. If you like this episode, please follow the Only Child Diaries podcast and share it with a friend you think might like it as well. Visit my Instagram page, Only Child Diaries, or Facebook at Only Child Diaries Podcast. Thanks for listening. (laughs) I'm Tracy Wallace. These are the Only Child Diaries.